This is Hammond and Jessica, and you're listening to the Friendly Atheist Podcast. If you like what you're listening to, please go to patreon.com slash friendly atheist podcast. And we have so many things we got to talk about. Um, and I do want to talk about the inauguration. But mm-hmm. first, hi, how are you? Hi, I'm good. You look like you're being held hostage somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) I was just telling Jessica, we need to hold off. I'm working on something. And we'll talk about that. And then we'll get to the inauguration stuff. Um, So I'm going to tell you this this story now and just finish this up because it just happened. So why not talk about it now? Do you remember breaking news on a podcast that doesn't go out live? I know. Breaking (laughs) news for a story that about three people care about. Um. Do you remember over the summer, we talked about a group called Atheist Alliance International because their executive director, Michael Sherlock, had basically used the R word to describe religion. And it's yes. like... Yes, yes, yes. Okay, I do remember this. And the oh, response was, was good like... Drama. It was. And it was like, look, I, I'm not a fan of religion, but also, why are you using an ableist slur? Why is that your go-to, like, oh, you think you're a badass edgelord to go to? <laughs> like, it's yeah. It's, it's just a stupid very, way to attack. It's very dumb, and it's very low. And yeah. it's punching down in, like, a very significant way. It's yeah. dumb, and it's the year of our Lord 2021. We can just stop saying that. <laughs> right? And when people called him out on it, he lashed out at them. He called one critic, who is female, the C-word, um, because, again, that's just who he is. Thomas cunt is one of my favorite words, and I don't like to see it brandished against women. You're going to hear it many <laughs> more times in the next few minutes. So Good. Uh-huh. So anyway, after that all happened... Uh, and I reported on it, wrote about it. Um, Atheist Alliance International basically said, look, we are suspending Sherlock for uh, a month or so um, because that's unacceptable behavior. Mm-hmm. And, and he'll definitely learn his lesson in a month like people tend oh, yeah. to do. And he was suspended for a month. I, I don't think he gets paid anything crazy from the group or anything, but he was suspended, I believe, without pay for a month. And then he came back, and honestly, there was, uh, as far as I can, am concerned, publicly anyway, there was no real issue. He he looked to be a less divisive executive director as far as the public eye was concerned. He wasn't doing the same kind of rhetoric uh, after that. Anyway, that was like July And it's been, I know, like a world of change since July. Um, But that brings me to what just happened today, because I saw this tweet this morning and I'm like, where did this come from all of a sudden? Mm -hmm. Uh, Basically, this morning, it's Friday the 22nd. Uh, Sherlock posts something on Twitter, which says basically uh, copy paste the same insulting tweet that got him in trouble six months ago. Mm-hmm. Ago, where he's like, religion is an R-word relic that really needs archiving in humanity's library of bad ideas. Religion is the privileged C-word who believes he is oppressed. Blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter. It's a stupid wait, tweet. Wait, he's, wait, yes, wait. Yes. He said religion is a privileged cunt? That is what he said, and that is a quote. I don't even know what that means. I, I don't think it's it's the privileged cunt who believes oh it's the privilege the the there are no others just that one um it doesn't really make any sense i think it's just again this vibe of i'm an edgelord so i gotta squeeze in these words somewhere 
Yeah, this does sound like some like an eighteen year old lashing out, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yes. And then I I didn't even see that tweet to be honest with you. The reason I saw it is because his next tweet was, "Hey, Hemet Meta, comma, this is just me clearing my throat, cunt." <laughs> <laughs> So that one I saw. I mean, not for the first time, but I saw that one and I'm like, cunt on Twitter, and I'm a much bigger cunt than you are. You really are. Anyway, I know. Wait, oh my god. So I I don't care about the personal insult part, but I'm like, what are you? No, I don't either. What are you doing? Like, why are you go why are you saying the thing you said that got you in trouble way back when? And why are you definitely calling my attention to it? And I'm like, huh, that's weird. I don't understand it. I don't care to understand it because I don't think about him and I don't care about him. But I couldn't figure out what is this all about. And then about five hours after that tweet was posted, Atheist Alliance International posted something separate from all this, um, which said that he was resigning. Uh, Here's what their statement said. Uh, I want to make sure I have this right. Yeah, it is. It's from one of their board members. It is with great regret that I announced the resignation of Michael Sherlock from the position of executive director of Atheist Alliance International effective from today. Uh-huh. Um, okay, next paragraph. Michael holds down two demanding jobs and lives in a time zone that means getting up at 4 a.m. several days a week. He has realized it's impossible to do this long term to achieve anything like a reasonable work life balance. Something had to give. Where does he live? Um, I think in Tasmania, but like Australia, New Zealand, that area. Oh, that's rough. If, if, I mean, I understand what they were saying there. It said at the end of this message, you know, we're sorry to see him go. And I was thinking, you know, that sounds like a politician who's like, I'm resigning to spend more time with my family. family. (laughs) Maybe you are, but usually that's not like... Really, that comes out of nowhere. You're just you suddenly decided after the campaign and after everything you've done that now is the time to spend time with your family. Like, what's really yeah. going on? Right. And so I'm trying to figure out. Okay, he he's in he's he clearly knew he was leaving, which is probably why he felt the freedom to tweet insults and all that. Mm-hmm. Um. So okay, did he target anybody besides? It target is generous. He called target you a like let's not whatever. Let's not burn anything no, down. It was, over just, it. it was just it was just you. Um, yeah, but okay. So I was like, what's the backstory here? Because he clearly knew he was resigning. Then he felt free to do that. It wasn't the other way around. He didn't get mm-hmm. in trouble for insulting me. Any listener, please feel free to join the club. You won't get in trouble. Um, <laughs> so I was like, what the heck is going on? And then I hear from someone no names mentioned, who says, well, there is more to the story. This is why we had to postpone recording this, because I was trying to figure out what the hell's going on. Okay, so a a little more than a week ago, Michael Sherlock goes on Facebook and posts, I'm going to quote this. This is what he posted on Facebook. Islam poses a greater threat to humanity and human rights than any other religion on the planet. Hashtag fact. Okay, whatever. Not nothing new to hear some edgelord atheist saying Islam is the cause of all things evil. Like, yeah. Okay, one person responds to that post by saying, "Well, it's not like all of Islam, dude." 
Um, and here's what the commenter says. I'm going to paraphrase because it was a long comment. He says, Islam isn't the problem so much as Muslim extremists. Mm-hmm. And there are mil- I mean, there are millions of other Muslims out there who are peaceful and positive and kind. Um, you can't use a broad brush against all of Islam. Mm-hmm. And the person admitted, look, Islamic fundamentalism is a greater threat than religious fundamentalism, sure. But also, like, hey, we talked about the capital siege before. That included a lot of Christian nationalists, Christian extremists. I and think I would, it would be I would reckon that there were zero to one Muslims at the the uprising. <laughs> that too. But and also like it would be foolish to say, well, Christians approved of that siege or Christians did that thing. No, it was a handful of a specific kind of Christian. Stop painting all of them that way. That shows you know nothing about the religion. Okay, it was a reasonable comment to make in response to to what Sherlock posted. So what do you think Sherlock responded with to that commenter? Oh, did he call the commenter a cunt? Well, you're never going to believe this. He did. He did. <laughs> Let me you guys quote. Be right. This is, by the way, this is what he posted literally as we're speaking six hours ago. So around the same time he was calling me the same thing. Here's what he said about that commenter. What an asshole. This cunt is slapping the struggles of Muslims and ex-Muslims in the face for nothing more than his own self-righteous, sanctimonious virtue signaling. Cunts like this are part of the reason why human rights abuses continue in the Muslim world. Did he just learn the word cunt? Like, what the fuck is going on here? Man, I don't know. But wait, it gets better. Wait, you said it was six hours, so it was about 7 a.m. our time? Uh, I just want to know what time it was. It was this morning. Yeah, for us. Anyway, he posts that comment about the dude criticizing him over something he deserved to be criticized for. But wait, it gets better. Here's Wait, what I just want to say. I looked it up. It looks like it was around around midnight Sydney time when <laughs> when he would have done it. So I'm I'm just trying to put all the pieces together. Like, was there booze involved? I I don't know. I'm not suggesting that. I think this is just who he is when he's okay. <laughs> um, yeah, no, so anyway. I don't know anything. That's just like when I see somebody say something very dumb at midnight. My mind is like you're poor drunk tweeting. Who among us hasn't? Yeah, not you. Well, you're very clean and sober. Thank you. So anyway, a source tells me that that interaction, the because he basically lashed out at the commenter within the comment thread like more than a week ago. That interaction was reported to the Atheist Alliance International Board. Okay, And it turns out the person he's criticizing, that Sherlock is criticizing, happens to run an AAI affiliate. Like, he's not a random commenter. He's a guy who literally his group works with Sherlock's group. It's not a nobody, you know what I mean? And so this, this exchange was reported. Like, this is how our executive director is treating one of our own affiliates. What do men need to do to get fired is my question here. Well... AAI apparently said, we're going to go through with a disciplinary hearing, whatever that means. And when Michael was informed, tribunal. <laughs> a tribunal, and whenever Sherlock was informed about this, he basically said, you can't fire me. I me, quit. I quit. Which, Some Michael Scott bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, I asked that commenter, by the way, like now that his resignation has gone through, what do you think about this thing that he said about you? Because we are, I guess, fellow cuntsmates. And he, he told me he was disappointed with the parting statement by the Atheist Alliance International Board, like referring to the resignation announcement, mm-hmm. which he said gives a false explanation. Mm-hmm. He didn't leave to spend time with his family. He didn't leave because his job, he had other things on his plate. He left because of this problem where he's basically- You can't stop calling people cunts. <laughs> you just can't. So, I don't know. This I mean, I think now, that I don't... He's a, now that I know he's Australian, that sort of layers it a little bit different. I didn't realize he was Australian before. Like, Kutch is definitely thrown around a little bit more in Australia. But, like, this it isn't, is, like, there's a difference this isn't a joke like, being like, oh, you're such a cunt. This is, like... <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is not, like, a Jim Jeffries comedy special where he throws the word around randomly. Right. Um, joke or this podcast, or this podcast. <laughs> like it's not a joke. It's meant as an insult. This was my problem with his use of the R word. Like mm-hmm. it's childish to me if you say religion has um religion has retarded our intellectual growth. Like grammatically, I understand what you're saying. Um, I still think you're not no, exactly telling the full story there, but that's not what he said. No, but also when people say something like that. When there are other words available. It, it it reminds me of like when I was in high school and a bunch of boys learned that the word niggardly was a oh, thing yeah, that the, was yeah, not. Yeah. And, and now, and that's what they say to be like edgy. And it's yeah. not funny or interesting or smart. It's just. You're just stupid. Yeah, um, you're just being a dick to people. So all of this just happened. I don't know what AI is doing. This is the same group that had to hire Michael Sherlock because their previous full-time executive director was David Silverman, who has <laughs> now gone off to the to the right. Um, okay. I think I did this six right. months ago, and I'm going to do it again now. I don't know what the job is exactly, <laughs> but I don't either. I, I don't. want to be clear. I'm taking interviews right now. I'm talking to a couple companies about freelance work. If they want to reach out, I promise here and now that I will never sexually assault anybody, nor will I call strangers cunts online. I will use that for my friends. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, hit me up, jessicawimpygreif.com. You can reach me there. Yeah, I work for pretty reasonable rates and, you know, I live in the midwest so I, in central time i'm very add, easy to work with i have said this before but i want to add like i have no i i genuinely am not gleeful about shitting on this organization like no i want them to succeed because if their goal is to make atheism palatable and to help people where you really can be oppressed for being an atheist which mm-hmm. is their purported goal like mm-hmm. i'm i'm totally right there with them but the stuff their leaders are doing is just indefensible. And honestly, it creates more problems for people who are advocates and activists. It's it's true. I think God, I can't imagine. I cannot imagine the leader of any of like, can you imagine if like leader of like Jews for Christ? What's the thing? Jews for Jesus? Jews for Christ? Jews for something Jesus. like that. Yeah. Jews for Jesus. If all, he was like out there on his phone, like calling randos cunts, like you just can't do that, bud. Like you, you are an adult who has like, a job. It would be and bad enough. People. It would be bad enough if you had the job and then you did this on your private professional. Like, I'm sorry, your private personal 
Facebook yeah. page or something. I mean, that would be a problem by itself because uh-huh. even though you're not doing it on the company's time, but what, I don't, yeah, I don't know what their job description is that this is the best they can find. I don't yeah, understand I mean, it. I don't know what their board is doing. Most company, not most, a lot of companies, and I don't think this is necessarily right, but a lot of companies will monitor their like employees' social media. Bo- like, I mean, look at what happened with um, in the insurrection and the, the riots up at the Capitol. Like, people are getting yeah. ducked all over the place and losing their job because, like, you do not get to be a fucking cartoon movie henchman and also like just masquerade around like with the rest of us as if you're a regular person who has morals and beliefs. Yeah. <laughs> like you cannot just do this if you are like, and those are just randos. Like you can't be the head of a <laughs> thing and call people cunts on Twitter. You simply just can't. Like, I know Trump kind of ruined Twitter for all of us and, like, what people can get get away with. But can we can we as atheists and as humans just strive to be slightly better than Trump? Like, that's all I'm asking for. And we're failing. I don't know. They got uh, <sighs> fix up your just own house, people. <laughs> You're already gunning for the position. Listen, I don't I want to be clear. I do not know what this job is and I do not know if I'm qualified. But I'm smart and I rarely insult people on Twitter under the guise of professionalism. This is true. So I don't know. Let's talk about happier (laughs) things. How was the inauguration for you? Oh, it was so great. I cried several times. Um, God. Okay. So the poet laureate, the youth poet laureate. Oh, um, she was amazing. Amanda Gorman. Amanda Gorman. Uh, was incredible, stole the show. My favorite tweet that I retweeted was like, yes, we all think Amanda Gorman was the best part of inauguration. Maybe we should fund humanities. Turns out we <laughs> as humans like art. As uh, a that- public speaking coach who in- who does poetry type events and mm-hmm. stuff where it's like, oh my God, she's so good at what she's doing. She's very good. I do wish she was on an Apple box because <laughs> the, the, the microphone's the microphone her face. as big as her poor face. Yeah. But she was incredible. Completely stole the show. That yellow jacket. Loved it. Iconic. <laughs> it is going to be a look for the rest of our lives. Um, Lady Gaga also fucking smushed it with her like Mockingjay pen. I was just really into her whole jam. I love how theatrical Lady Gaga is all the time because yeah. it does not matter if you are singing for the new press and it is the Lady Gaga show for the next three minutes right. and y'all better pay attention. Um, another thing when... It was exciting to have like actual performers and artists and celebrities, whether it was people. the inauguration or the festivities around it. Cause I like, did not watch those, but my dad kept... Don't have pop culture on there. It's like Christians who make Christian films. Like uh-huh. they don't have actors they can rely on to make good movies. So they have to go to like the D-list Kevin Sorbo types mm-hmm. to do right. their stuff. The um, same reason no conservatives have good art or anything on their right. websites or their logos because nobody wants to work with them who's talented. Right. Um, I and will so say now it's kind of back. It's nice. Mm-hmm. So the first time I cry, I cried a few times. Um, First time I cried was when the woman, um, I do not remember anything about her, forgive me, uh, got up to to say the Pledge of Allegiance and she mm-hmm. signed it, which as a uh, as a high schooler, I always had, a, I, I took ASL and I took it first period. So that was the thing we did every day was sign the pledge. And 
like granted the entire rest of the program went on with no ASL interpreter. So it wasn't ideal, but to me, it just felt like a symbol of like, Hey, an administration is coming in who thinks about people who don't have the same access to this information as you. I thought that was beautiful. Um, I cried when Kamala, uh, Kamala, God, I'm going to get that someday. Kamala was uh, sworn. I, it just, it was all very good. Um, I thought Biden's speech was like, listen, Biden is a really good speaker for this moment. He, um, I don't know. I, I just, it made me feel very, very good. And I was uh, happy and relieved and just. Uh, all I'm asking is for Senate Democrats to treat Republicans the way they've treated you this whole oh, they're, time. They're already. um like fucking Marco Rubio is already like, oh, unity. Oh. Think about the people who lost the election. It's like, I'm sorry. I've been hearing fuck your feelings for four years. <laughs> I'm not sure what's happening over here. It's just, it's really, I mean, it's exactly what's going to happen for the next four years. And I should not be surprised, but I will, I'm never going to be surprised, but I'm always going to be disappointed by this how not an original. It's not an original thought at all, but it won't be long before Republicans blame 400, 500,000 COVID deaths on Biden. Mm-hmm. Like that's coming if it hasn't yeah. happened already. Um, the one thing I wanted to bring up about the inauguration re- regarding religion, as it appears, we know Biden is Catholic, devoutly so, talks about it, wears it on his sleeve. That's not surprising. Uh, The Washington Post noted that his inauguration speech had more words relating to religion than any inaugural speech since Dwight Eisenhower. And by that, yeah, he referred to the U.S. as a nation under God. He said faith. He also said reason, but he said faith helps show the way of unity. He Mm -hmm. referenced St. Augustine. He talked about a sacred oath before God. He said Mm -hmm. the American people were united in part because we are all sustained by faith. Mm -hmm. And now, Given the moment and given all the stuff happening, it's like, I'll be honest, I watched the whole thing and none of it phased me whatsoever. No, I, I don't think it even registered for me. Yeah, it's it, one, it's the way Biden talks. I'm used to it. Mm-hmm. Two, it's like there's a difference between his symbolic references to religion and policies that enforce Christian conservatism. He's not doing that. So it's like, all right, I can let some stuff slide. But... Here's what I want to point out. And this, I thought, was a valid criticism I heard from a number of atheists online. In 2009, when Obama was inaugurated for the first time, he said this during his inaugural address. "Uh, We are a nation of Christians and Muslims, Jews and Hindus, and non-believers. And Mm -hmm. he gave that lip service, a a Mm -hmm. name check to, to people like us. Biden, for all the talk of inclusion, didn't even bother with that. Um, For example, the Freedom From Religion wanted to make clear, like, hey, Joe Biden, because these public pronouncements of faith, pieties, do not make them better leaders. American atheists said, you know, it was refreshing to hear POTUS talk about the importance of facts and reason in our nation's policy discussions and the calls for unity while needed, unfortunately, still presumed religiosity and excluded the third of Americans who are Mm non-religious. It's again, if we're talking about symbolism, because Democrats love their symbolism Mm -hmm. and this administration more than most, which is aware of the symbolic nature of stuff and inclusion and tolerance should certainly 
make sure that if they're making pronouncements about religion, they should include the non-religious. We're a big mm-hmm. part of their base too. It's not just do it. It's we're the people who got you elected. Help us mm-hmm. out here by throwing us a bone. Um, now, I will freely admit Biden should be judged on the policies. And on policy, he appears so far, even in everything he said he's going to do, He's going to support church-state separation. He's not going to kowtow to the religious right. All of that is more important than the symbolism. Mm-hmm. It's like the symbolism should be the easy stuff. All you got to do is give us a name check and remind mm-hmm. Americans, especially when you're on a stage that big, um, that this stuff matters. Now, I will say on the first day he was in office, he signed a bunch of executive orders. One of them rescinded the Muslim travel ban. And right. in that executive order, this is what it said. Um referring to the ban, those actions are a stain on our national conscience and are inconsistent with our long history of welcoming people of all faiths and no faith at all. Okay. Good. Hey, there you go. That's See, tough. that wasn't hard. <laughs> I'm just saying, like Biden, who talks about Catholicism all the time, and I'm not even begrudging that. No. When you talk about America don't say it's a faith-based nation. Don't say we are good Americans because we are people of faith. Like, get away from that rhetoric. His campaign specifically reached out to non-religious Americans during the election. Literally, people who worked on his campaign purposely reached out to non-religious group leaders and said, let's talk. We want to include you in the stuff we do. And yet they had an inauguration um, uh, interfaith prayer with like 30 religious representatives saying something mm-hmm. about, you know, we wish you the best moving sure. into this administration. Suddenly, we were not on their list. They did not mm-hmm. reach out to humanist chaplains or representatives of any groups. And maybe the thinking, as has long been the case, is like, well, we wanted prayers. We know you don't do prayers. Sure. But they know damn well that there are things we could say in the name of unity Like, come on, this is supposed to be the easy stuff. We're not asking for special treatment. We're not asking for special policies. Just give us the same lip service you give everyone else and then do everything else. Yeah. Anyway, um, separate issue, but one I think is worth bringing up is there was a survey that was done after the Capitol riots. And what surprised me about the survey, I want to pull up the exact numbers here, is that it showed that white evangelical Christians still hold a high favorability rating when it comes to Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. So the question was basically, you know, what's your feelings about Donald Trump? Do you view him in a positive light? Do you view him favorably? And among like, you know, white people in America view him better than people of color. That's not Mm -hmm. a surprise. So specifically when you break down the white numbers, like white Catholics, only 41% of them think well, of Donald Trump. White nuns, white unaffiliated mm-hmm. Americans, only 26% view Trump favorably. But oh, white it's higher than I think it's gonna be. I know. But remember, nuns include not just atheists and agnostics, but all the wishy-washy people who can't make up their mind about the Spiritual, easy things yeah. in the world. But white evangelical Protestants, white evangelicals, 60, 62%. 62% said they approve of donald trump um it's yeah it's wildly high and this is after the riots so oh it's after this is after i mean i know a lot of those white evangelicals remember 80 percent of white evangelical christians of voters voted for him Mm -hmm. uh, after 
a second time around too. They spent four years looking the other way when he committed atrocities, all the cruel things, the ignorance. Their their morality is always bankrupt. The one thing I am hoping for now that Biden is in office is that the stain of Trump doesn't leave them. Like Mm -hmm. they need to pay for this. And the way to pay for it is for their reputation. Every time you think of white evangelicals, when you think of Christianity, I hope people think Trump because that really should be their worst nightmare. They spend all this time and generations upon generations saying, you know, we want you to think of Jesus. We want Mm -hmm. you to, when you see us and you interact with us, we hope we are living embodiments of Jesus Christ. And I hope like now what they've won after four years of judges is when you think of evangelicals, you think of Trump and that's what comes to mind. And that's what these people have done for their faith. They've tarnished it with the Trump name. He's selling Christianity the way he sells steaks. They're yeah. all shitty and they should all suffer for it. It's absolutely true. And I think that's a really astute point that I hadn't really kind of sat with very much is for a long time evangelicals were associated with like the reagan kind of w was a was a conservative uh, compassionate christian yeah um and yeah like the like i do now inextricably link the concern the white evangelical movement with a Trump voting block. And, yeah. and, and remember, that's incompatible with compassion. <laughs> when we were younger in the George W. Bush era, I think one of the fears a lot of white evangelicals had, and I know a lot of progressive Christians had because they hated being linked up with uh, conservative Christians, mm-hmm. is that when you think of white evangelical Christians, evangelical Christians as a whole, you thought these people hate gay marriage easiest moral question of our time they are wrong yeah Uh, yes absolutely and it that is true that is how people think of i think a lot of people think about white evangelical christians and now Mm -hmm. it's not just that now it's oh you're the people who supported child separation or at least Mm -hmm. didn't out against it enough to vote against him you're fine with racism confederacy um you had people at the riots we'll talk about that some more in a little bit Mm -hmm. like that is their reputation. Oh, and by the way, in the past several years, it's a whole bunch of Catholic-style uh, sexual assault allegations among Protestant evangelical leaders as well. So all of that, yeah, that- that's the legacy. That's what they have bought. They wanted judges. They got judges. And this is the exchange they made. They will forever be linked. I hope they will forever be linked with Trump. They totally deserve it. <sighs> yeah, I mean... I think you you said it all. I, I I they definitely are going to have a PR problem if they are going to like continue to have any kind of significant base because I mean not that young people aren't ever conservative but at least are you know millennials are much more liberal than you know than boomers obviously and, and like and younger Christians are more progressive than their parents are too. That's the thing like, is I think people are going to like if you're even if you believe in like if even if you're a sincere evangelical christian that doesn't mean necessarily that you're also racist but when everybody hears it's like for a long time atheists were all white dudes or atheists were all like mean edge lords you have to like still are in some <laughs> i know it hasn't changed but now it's women and men of color yelling instead of white guys. Ha ha, Hemet, we won. 
We're so brave. Anyway, they're they're going to have to figure out what their path forward is as a collective because they're or, I don't know. Or, or 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 like I'm gonna play this clip in ten years and realize I was completely wrong and evangelical Christianity is continuing going to continue to be a southern stronghold for Republicans. Who I don't know. I'm not in the guessing game. Uh. Let me uh, take a break for a second and talk about our sponsor. We want to thank them. Uh, the book, if you haven't heard, we've mentioned them in previous podcasts, is called El the Humanist. Uh, the book is about a girl who grows up in a secular household in a pretty r- like red community. They're dominated by one religion. And so Elle is one of the only kids in her grade school class who's not religious. So when she talks to her friends, when she talks to her uh, teachers, many of them have a really hard time making sense of how a child doesn't go to church, doesn't pray. And they're trying to figure out, like, they assume the worst things about her because of that. They assume she has no morality. How can she tell right from wrong without a pastor or a holy book to guide her? And those conversations led um, Elle to write a book about this with her father. So the book is called L the Humanist. It's a really, really wonderful uh, kind of guidebook to humanism uh, for anyone who's not familiar with it. And the author is L. Harris. She wrote it with her father, Douglas. Anyone who's interested in introducing humanism to their kids in a way that is easy to understand and also helps other people understand what they're going through, it's an awesome book. E-L-L-E, LTheHumanist.com. And if you go to that website and use the link in the show notes or just purchase the book from their site, you can use the discount code FRIENDLYATHEIST, lowercase, all one word, you'll get 10% off. So we want to thank them for sponsoring the show. I wanted to bring up this story that I heard last week that cracked me up in part because of who we're talking about. Wait, before we do this, yeah. you didn't tell me anything about your experience watching the... Uh, the inauguration. Oh, I no, I I had the same feelings you did, where it's just like it's so it's such a relief. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's only been a couple of days so far, and it just feels like okay when I turn on the news or when I'm looking at Twitter, I know there's residual Trump stuff we still got to take care of, but it's I don't have to worry about like oh well what shit happened right now. Mm-hmm. I oh, like anytime say, I get a push alert yeah. from my phone, I'm not like. Fuck. Yeah, what, what did he now? do now? It's like, okay, like, they're doing stuff. They're doing good stuff. The question is, how can they speed up vaccinations? The question is, how do we fix the problems that Republicans caused, which right. I know is an issue, but it the headlines are like, here's what they're trying to do, or here are what the obstacles are. Not, here are the new problems the people in charge are creating. So it's such a relief in that sense. So this is the second time in recent memory that a Democrat has been elected to clean up a Republican's mess. Obviously Barack Obama had to do it. Certainly in our voting lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think HW left behind too much of a mess for Clinton, but it just, there were obviously political differences and wars and like political decisions they made that are wrong and misguided and 
yeah, Democrats had to fix that stuff. Yeah. The problem with Obama is they wanted to do all this progressive stuff and couldn't get anything done because they didn't try. They weren't aggressive. They didn't think they could be aggressive. They they thought they had to like build up some political capital and then they could use it. And now I think we've had a generation of people who are like, no, you have yeah. a majority right now. You have you have control of Congress in that sense. You need to get shit done Get it done fast. Don't give a shit about Republicans do who are going to stand in your way. Just steamroll over them. Mm-hmm. Get it done. Show people what you did. Mm-hmm. Brag about it instead yeah. of trying to be defensive about it. Um, because yeah. best case scenario, when Democrats are bragging, we're like, hey, more people have access to health care and right. gay people can get married. Those are things worth bragging about, not we've demonized an entire hey, you- religion. You can see grandma. Republicans didn't want you to do it without someone dying. But guess what? Because we got a vaccination plan out, you can actually spend time with the people you want to see. That would be yeah. a good thing to brag about. Yeah. Um. So get shit done. I think there's more people, not just like <laughs> left wing voices, liberals, historically, who have always said that. Mm-hmm. But like even rank and file Democrats are like, yeah, we need to get shit done now. Yeah, and, and I and I hope they I hope they ride this momentum as long as they well, obviously until twenty twenty two. Right, at least. Yeah. So speaking of which, so this is what I saw this week that I was just stunned by. First of all, it comes from James Dobson. Do you remember that name? Um James Dobson. No, I don't oh, think so. Her. It sounds familiar, yeah, but I would focus on the family and for Oh yes, 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 yes. He yes, was yes. for a long time the go-to conservative Christian for anyone who wanted to know what the worst people in the country thought about any given issue. And then basically it got so anti-gay that focus on the family's like, we kind of don't like the reputation we have, and they kind of pushed him out. So he's still like mm-hmm. chairman emeritus, but he doesn't really he's not in the news anymore. Unless, because you like, cannot, you physically cannot fire a white man. It's literally impossible. <laughs> I've yeah. tried. You it's want to scientifically untenable. Yes. Uh, so James Dobson still is doing a thing, but it's mostly not to, he doesn't have the megaphone anymore. He just kind of has his email list and his organization full of other older, mostly white, I assume, Christians. He sent out his monthly newsletter this week. And basically, as you would expect, he's like, well, Everything's bad from here on out because Joe Biden's in office. That's not a surprise. But I was reading through what he's worried about. And literally every single thing he mentioned was either the sky is falling when Mm -hmm. it's not, or this good thing is going to happen that we don't like. So we're going to pretend like it's bad. Mm -hmm. Or he's just flat out lying. And so I'll give you an example of what I mean. Here's what he said. There will be no checks and balances within our system of government. The most radical ideas promoted by President Joe Biden and his majority party will be enacted. Like, no checks and balances? There's a six to three conservative supermajority on the Supreme Court. That's a pretty mm-hmm. big check. Mm-hmm. Republicans hijack the entire judiciary up and down. That's a check. Mm-hmm. Joe Manchin is a check on the 50-50 Senate. The fact that Joe Manchin is one of the most powerful people in the Senate right now is going to be infuriating over the next two years. I am already exhausted by Joe Manchin. He's the most conservative Democrat in the Senate. And here's the weird thing. He hasn't actually ever been the one vote that stops Democrats from getting anything they wanted. So, like, when it comes to Supreme Court justice, he doesn't mind voting against 
like voting with the Republicans, mm-hmm. but only if he's not the deciding vote. You know what I mean? He's always so been brave. Joe, oh my God, you're so brave in your conviction. Well, here's the thing. He's in West Virginia, heavily Republican. Over, uh, West Virginia, I forgot what I said. Um, Overwhelmingly Republican. So you know what? Honestly, strategically, if that's what he feels he has to do to get reelected, I'm fine with yeah. it. Yeah, but, you're right. But he, like, here's the thing. If the question is, we have a 50-50 split, Kamala Harris can break it, but we need all 50 Democrats on board. He's never been tested. And all the other Democrats are kind of saying in no uncertain terms, like, he's not this, no matter what he says publicly, like, I'm against the filibuster. I'm against breaking the filibuster and ending it. I am not for that. He's, all of his colleagues are like, he's not going to do that to us. He wouldn't be the one person stopping Democrats from doing the stuff they want, no matter what he says. I hope um, so. So we'll see about it. Like, I, I don't know how conservative he is, but that said, the things he says publicly he is, he's kind of a thorn in the side right now. We'll see what he does. Yeah. Um, and also Joe Biden is as much of a check on the liberal part of the democratic. That's, that's the thing is like, man, the Republicans are trying and they're so good at it because they believe it so hard or they're very good liars. But they're somehow asking us to believe that Joe, uh, Joe Biden is both a socialist boogeyman and Marx reincarnate and a doddering old fool who is being like puppeted around by Kamala. Like, I don't know which is. He can't do anything, and yet he's the most powerful man alive. And he... God. Okay, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I'm just... He's not AOC, and it wouldn't even be bad if he was, but he's not. Anyway, that's the first sentence or two of what Dobson said. He went on to point out... I'm just going to give you a a quick guide here, because I made an entire video going through every single thing. But he also said, like, oh, no, trillions more dollars for climate nonsense. Nonsense. By which he means the entire future of civilization. Mm-hmm, he also, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is what made me laugh. Uh, this administration will bring, quote, less moral compunction. Than Trump? Than Trump! Less How do you say this administration is going to be less moral and, like, hurt the morality of this nation after four years? Of whatever Trump did. Okay, I've never looked up the word compunction, but it's a feeling of guilt or moral scruple that prevents or follows the doing of something bad. Maybe Democrats don't have in, as many moral moral compunctions because they're not constantly trying to murder people. Maybe. Um, he they have less to be Dobson, guilty about. <laughs> Dobson also laughably said with Biden in, in the White House, there's going to be, quote, more government corruption. Then Trump. Then Trump. Again, it's one thing to say we don't like it because he's going to appoint like pro-choice judges, which would be true. And I know why you're not happy about that. But the idea that you sincerely care about government corruption when you had four years to say anything you wanted every day and didn't do a damn thing about it. Yeah, it's pretty hard to listen to anybody cry immorality today (laughs) like you you had your chance to have a moral backbone and like lord knows mcconnell barely found his after trump was like out of office but like and that lasted for all of a day now he's back right 
oh god now he wants to delay trial yeah. whatever breaking news yeah you updated know what, sports guidance okay you know what uh we didn't talk about that happened last week that was a big deal uh the, not the capital siege that happened um a reporter for the new yorker luke mogelson not only wrote an article where he was like, he follows the right wing extremists. And he's like, I was there for the, for the Capitol riots. And he wrote an article about what he witnessed being part of the mob, essentially as Mm -hmm. a reporter, but he also got video. And that video had not gone up until we recorded last time after we recorded. And part of his video, which if you haven't seen it, will include a link. It's on the New Yorker's website. It's on YouTube. Um, It included where they like get into, I can't remember if it was the House or Senate, but the mob breaks into the chambers, like the QAnon shaman is behind Mm -hmm. like the, the podium and stuff. But they all stopped the rioting to say a Christian prayer. Yep. And they said literally, thank you, Heavenly Father, for gracing us with this opportunity. We got to send a message to all the tyrants, the communists, and the globalists that this is our nation, not theirs. Thank you, divine, omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent creator God for filling this chamber with your white light and love. Like, this goes on for a while, but that prayer would not be out of place at any evangelical church in this country. They stopped the looting and desecration of the capital to stop and pray to Jesus. And yet during the week, people like Franklin Graham, the evangelists have said, I I don't, I know there were banners during the protests, which were fine and legal that said like Jesus saves, but I don't think there were any Christians inside the Capitol. Dude, they were praying during the looting. Yep. Yep. They were there. This was a Christian attack as much as it was a right wing attack. That's not saying all Christians did it or they support it. They don't. But don't pretend Christians weren't at the scene or justifying what they were doing in the name of their faith. Right. And threatening to do it again constantly. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. I okay. have a couple happy stories for you when you're ready for them. Oh, okay. I'm ready. I know. Okay. Get this. This one um, surprised me for a little bit because this actually happened in our neck of the woods in the south suburbs of Chicago. Ooh. There is a Catholic priest named uh, Father William Corcoran who gave a homily um, short of uh, the weekend. An after- Irish gentleman, Irish gentleman. <laughs> from the south side of Chicago named Corcoran. Oh, is he a talker? I know you don't see it that often. Um, this the weekend after the Capitol riots, the Capitol siege, he delivered uh, an, a homily where he actually apologized to the congregation. And he said, I want to accept personal responsibility in part for what Whoa. happened in the Capitol this past Wednesday. Whoa. According to an article in the Chicago Tribune, he went on to name the many times he failed to speak out about Donald Trump's bad behavior. Like when the president talked about grabbing women, when he mocked a disabled reporter, when he dissed John McCain. And he basically apologized to the church for not condemning Donald Trump. And part of it is he doesn't want to do politics in church. So he wants to talk about stuff beyond politics. But also, like, it's there's no legal violation or tax exemption risk by saying, listen, what the president is doing is bad behavior. It's wrong. Um, That is not an endorsement of a Democrat, per se, which would be a problem. But he basically apologized for saying, I should have spoken out against him. You know, he also talked about how the German Catholic Church did not do enough to condemn Adolf Hitler. 
He said there was a failure of the American Catholic Church to speak out against sexual abuse committed by priests. He literally said, as President Trump has lied about so many things, I have never spoken out. And fear, we are teaching the young that truth and facts do not matter. (laughs) And I know it's laughable to hear a priest say, you know, we need to care about truth and facts. But to say that, you know what, these were things we should have condemned. They go against our values. And I didn't say anything. He said to remain silent now in the face of this violence was to give tacit permission that this is how we settle some things. Um, By the way, I should also point out the Chicago Tribune mentioned some members of his congregation walked out as he said this, and he kept, he kept going. And I don't know what the long-term effects of it are. It's not like he's going to get fired or anything, but like, it's, it's telling that there were members of his church that were like, how dare you say this stuff? But he did anyway. I mean, good for him. I wish he wasn't the only one. Yeah. But that's yeah. I don't, it, it's hard. It's hard to hear this literally like 48 hours after he's no longer in in office you know what i mean yeah. like what am i what am i supposed to do with that what, what what are we supposed to do with that so does this mean if trump comes back into power or a similar trump person who maybe is you know a, has his edges a little softened compared to trump are you going to do the same thing or am i going to have to wait until 400,000 people die and an entire religion is banned from entering this country before like, I, I just don't understand. I get it. And I applaud him for saying what he said. But like, he did not wake up to this on January 8th or whatever the, the yeah. insurrection happened. Like, this isn't the first time you've seen violence carried out in Trump's name, right? Like, you knew you fucking no, sorry, fucking coward. He knew. It's been happening for five fucking years. Trump came down that escalator and the first fucking thing he said was like, Mexico is sending us our their rapists. Like, we don't, that was when, I mean, I knew Trump was a monster, you know, when I was a kid and watching like whatever his garbage shows were. I just, no, 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 actually, no, he can like, he can sit on it. I don't, I don't want to hear from him. I do not want to hear from people who are all of a sudden they're finding their moral high ground now that they're out of power. They're called you know, like fucking Twitter and Facebook have done the same thing. As soon yeah, as like, yeah, yeah. as soon as the cards were on the table that the Democrats were about to take control of, you know, the House and Senate and the White House, they were like, "Oh, we're defo going to block hate speech <laughs> and make sure there's no white supremacists in our." I who tweeted yeah. it. Someone pointed out like. It is interesting to find out you can de-platform Trump and there are no consequences for that whatsoever. Like mm-hmm. nothing bad has happened in in the short term, like for banning him on Twitter. Like that was a good thing. Hands down. Noth- that was the right decision. Now, imagine had they done that in 2015. I, I would argue that we wouldn't, wouldn't be here, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. You know what I just realized? Oh, no. I just realized the pinned tweet on my Twitter page has been Donald Trump. You're such an asshole for like five years. <laughs> yeah. I guess I need to change Evergreen. it now. Huh? Do you though? It's still well, it was from 2012. I, I do think maybe I'll, I'll leave it up until it's 10 year anniversary because it's really important for me, for other people to know that I thought Trump was an asshole back in 2012. <laughs> I had a curve. I had a, uh-huh. you are um, the opposite of a Catholic priest who just figured yeah, it out. Yeah, exactly. No, it's, I don't know, man. It's just very, uh, it feels very disingenuous to have this forgive the term come to Jesus moment only when 
he's not in power anymore. It's genuinely embarrassing. It, I'm embarrassed for him. Like Especially when he said, oh, we care about the debt. What? Oh, we yeah. care about it for four years. But yeah, we care about families so much. That's right. why we provide nothing to them. Yeah. Um, and especially the fact that he floated the the German Catholic Church and Hitler. Uh, ah, yeah. buddy, what the fuck did you do, actually? Like, seriously, you're saying, oh, the German Catholic Church was part of the reason that Hitler got to power? Bud, that's you this time around. You well, are the no, German Catholic Church. He's acknowledging that. He's saying they didn't do enough back then. I didn't do enough uh, during Trump. So I guess the question no, is, how much I, credit should he get now, if any? You don't want to give him any credit now. I'm uh, I might be just whipping myself up into a frenzy, but the fact that he has a an understanding of history that is um that is inclusive enough to see what happens when a powerful religious entity and moral entity stands by as somebody picks on the least among us, whether that's Jewish people, whether that's immigrants, whether that's people of color, he has an understanding of history and the fact that he just figured it out. No, no, no. Miss me with that bullshit. Absolutely not. Fuck this guy. Excellent. I got another one for you. Tell me what similar, similar thing. Someone's fixing a mistake from the past. Let's see what you think about this one. So here's the backstory here. Um, In 2019, when we could still go out and there were Halloween parties like that, there was a, a woman named autumn who said, on uh, social media somewhere, I'm dressing up as something really frightening, an anti-vaxxer. And basically her joking costume. Oh, the measles woman? No. Oh, 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 yes, yes. Okay, I'm sorry. This woman was holding up a tiny skeleton and she called her, she captioned her picture, Karen and her non-vaccinated child. Yeah, I remember this one. I was was thinking of another person who said I'm going to dress up as the least scary person and she dressed up as someone's measles. LOL. Step ahead of me. There you go. Yeah. So, yeah, there was a woman named Heather Simpson who did what you just said. She She said in response to that woman, well, I'm dressing up as the least scary thing for Halloween. So she basically put red dots all over her body with marker and said, like, I became the measles because she's an oh, anti-vaxxer. Okay. And that's not scary. And, and that was, nobody's died of the measles ever. So that's uh-huh, pretty funny, uh, too. 207,000 people have died of measles since 2019. I had to look that one up. But there you go. Um, so anyway, that one went viral for Heather. And here's what was interesting. This week, that woman who did the measles uh, meme and made that picture and said, haha, I'm measles. I'm not scary at all. She posted something on Facebook that week, and I'm going to read you some of it. Hi, I'm Heather Simpson, and this is the story of how I went from being a hardcore anti-vaxxer to a pro-vaxxer. No! She is urging everybody to get their COVID shots. And if you go through, it's a very long post, but basically I'll try to summarize it. She said, you know, when I was a kid, I was vaccinated. Um, My parents were awesome about it. I watched an anti-vaxxer documentary a few years ago. I believed it. I really did think vaccines could cause, I'm quoting here, could cause autism, SIDS, autoimmune diseases, and death in general. And when her kid was 18 months old, this is in 2019 when she did that measles picture, Mm -hmm. she did slow play like the vaccine thing. And she never said like, don't get vaccines. She did the Jenny McCarthy thing where she's like, I'm asking questions. And I think we don't have to go on a quick schedule of vaccines and all that. And here's what she wrote in the post. When she started saying this stuff publicly, like 
she not only went viral, but like she genuinely acquired friends. And so, for example, like friend requests poured in. My audience grew. People started sharing my posts. She basically felt important and smart. Mm-hmm. And that is not that I get that. That's a that's a powerful feeling. Now, I mean, yeah. all I want is for people to think and tell me I'm smart. It's literally why I do anything <laughs> I do. I need the I need people to tell me I'm smart and funny so badly. It's pathological. So yes, and so she did all this. She got the love she craved, and then the question is, what changed? Well, she had surgery for a personal issue. Um, and she just realized these doctors are not part of a conspiracy. They want what's best for me. Um, and when she started softening her views on the anti-vax thing, she basically got backlash from these new friends of hers. Like, how dare you question it in a way that doesn't suit my goal? Um, and she says she was never anti-science. She was genuinely scared. She wanted to protect mm-hmm. her child. She thought vaccines would hurt her child. Um, and when she started studying all the quote-unquote vaccine deaths, They were either exaggerated versions of what actually happened Mm -hmm. or anomalies because like vaccines are like 99.9 effective sometimes. But you were only hearing the stories about that 0.1%. And she started realizing, oh, no, I've been lied to. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So she goes on for a while and she says, finally, some people started reaching out to her who were actually genuinely nice and trying to help her understand her mistakes and not saying you're an idiot for being an anti-vaxxer. So at the end of this, this long post, she says, I want to apologize for anybody I hurt during my anti-vax days. Um, She goes on to say she's going to be getting her flu shot. She'll get the COVID vaccine when she's eligible for it. Her kids going on the pediatrician's recommended schedule. Um, and then, so I reached out to her when I saw that post, we actually spoke on the phone earlier. This really? week. Yeah. Um, basically I wanted to know a few other things that she didn't talk about, which part of it is, did your religion, did your church have anything to do with this? And she said, she's been going through a shift there as well. She's oh. not, she's, hard, she's hardly an atheist, but she said she used to attend this conservative Trump supporting Baptist church uh-huh. before the pandemic happened. And the church rightly shut down when the pandemic occurred and went online but she hasn't gone back um and she said you know she's a little more liberal when it comes to the feminism stuff she's she supports um the church did not uh, the church said we're gonna reopen we're gonna have in-person services but you gotta wear a mask and she's like well still you're doing an in-person gathering you shouldn't listen to the scientists um why are you having in-person gatherings at all even with right so she realizes she is following the scientists on a lot of other issues too. And so she's becoming less conservative religious, which anyone who's gone through that same road before knows that like who are atheists now, like that's the road I traveled. I went from a very conservative church to a progressive-ish church and then eventually yeah. left altogether. Yeah. Um, and then she just added like, look, it's so important that we end the pandemic. She said, the, I asked her, look, what message would you send to any of these people who are in that position you were in a year ago? And she basically, and, and what would you say to people like me who have, I feel, been on the right side of this issue the whole time? She basically said, look, understand that a lot of these anti-vaxxers, the ones she has gotten to know very well over the course, course of the past year, they are not really saying they want to embrace conspiracy theories. They're not anti-science per se they just want what's best for their kids 
and they really genuinely think vaccines hurt their kids. So if you are in communication with them and you want to give them any sort of benefit of the doubt in order to sway their minds, if you go in with the understanding that they sincerely want what's best for their children and try to approach them from that angle, like I know you do. And I want what's best for my kids and your kids too. And here's why you're wrong about what's best for your kids. Like, here's why the science actually says this is what's best for your kids. You may have a better shot at changing their minds. Um, so I read that. And part of me thought, like, the same, my gut reaction is, how much damage did you cause over the course of the year? I don't really want to praise you when you've done so much damage because you were kind of the poster child for this anti-vax thing. But also you did exactly the thing I would hope you would do, which is you did change your mind and you are going public about how you changed your mind in the hopes Mm -hmm. people will follow you. Um, And I do want to give you credit because that's a hard thing to do, much less doing it publicly like she did. I, so, so I, I want to ask you, if you would forgive, not forgive, forgive's not the right word. If you would accept this change of heart and you want to give her some credit for changing it and changing her mind publicly, what is the difference between then between her and the Catholic priest who you don't seem to feel a lot of love for? Well, so I think <clears throat> the problem kind of stems with conspiracy theories in general are a kind of reductive way for people who kind of feel powerless and uninformed to feel smarter than the people around them. Like they have a secret that nobody else does. And that's really seductive. Like, as I said, I'm pathologically inclined to need people to tell me how smart I am. Like I understand that urge to like, feel like, you know, a little bit more. It's not a good urge. It's not something I'm proud of. Um, Oh God, I don't know. Um, but you're right. She is, she is taking the journey that we would hope anybody that is anti-vax, homophobic, anti-trans, you know, all of that stuff. I, she's taken the path and I'm liable to, here's the thing. I believe she actually took a journey in the last year and Uh I believe she actually sought to learn. And when she reached her conclusion, was was open with it which is brave changing your mind is unbelievably hard i think anybody who has left religion or has left any sort of like um uh, abusive relationship like it is very hard to break out of something that you feel like is important and fundamental to who you are as a person i have Um, because i've been blogging forever i've seen and heard so many stories of atheists who have come out of the closet and how hard that was and how brave that was. And we've talked about that. That's been written about in books and everything for such a long time. I have now seen, because I've been doing it long enough, I have seen some atheists who have since become religious. Oh, really? Um, atheists who are vocal about it, if not like Dawkins-esque like known for being atheists, but Was they were active. Did I do this? It sounds uh, like it me. may have been you. No, yeah, they have they have found God since. Mm-hmm. And trying to come out publicly that way, or posting something on Facebook saying, I just wanted you to know, since we are friends, that I am now religious and I have mm-hmm. not like they 
they get a lot of backlash too. Like it's very, it's hard to change your mind publicly when, like you said, when your identity is consumed by this one thing. Yeah. Well, I I imagine if I became religious, it would be ridiculously hard for me to say that out loud. And extraordinarily lonely. Yeah. So I'm sure I would find new friends who are eager to capitalize on that, but like I would lose a lot of them too. Well, this would become the Jessica Blumke Atheist Show. That's for goddamn Congrats sure. Yeah, Thank yeah. you. Um, we're doing really well in the charts. Uh, yeah, no. Um, yeah, I, I think the difference is, and this is obviously third hand, right? Like you're explaining to me both of these people's positions. I think the reason it's different is, to me, the timing of the the Catholic priest is pretty fucking suspect, because it seems to me that he knew that he was on the wrong side of history for the, if not the last four years, certainly up until recently, and understands the parallel that he can draw between Trump and Hitler, which I know is such a, what's that rule? Something. Um, the inter- yeah, I know what you're talking about. One's the sex one, one's the Nazi one. Um, <laughs> is that Godwin's law? Godwin's Law is exactly what it is. Yeah, I think. I don't know. You look it up. Where um, any conversation like gets a comparison to Hitler. Right. No, whoever right. brings up Hitler first yeah. loses you the, lose the debate. <laughs> yeah. but, but, but really hard not to see those parallels right now, especially in hindsight when we saw what we saw over the last four years and saw people being more than happy to look away while shit was going down because they were getting what their judges or whatever that they wanted. It seems to me that this woman got, I mean, if you are somebody like me and watch a lot of documentaries about cults, anybody can get swept up in a cult. Anybody can, like, you are not too smart to get taken. And I think that's, I think that's important for us, you and I, Hemant, as communicators or whatever it is that we do to remember that, like, people who are religious, people who get swept in cults or whatever are not necessarily dumb. Mm-hmm. They are off. It could like it's a very like there, but for the grace of God, go I. Like I've seen documentaries about Jonestown and like the People's Temple back in like the seventies. Yeah, it seemed fucking dope. Like I can see how people got swept up in that thing. And if you can't, like I think you're being intellectually dishonest with yourself. Like we're all we've all made bad decisions. We've all had trouble, you know, troubling opinions. Whatever. But. Mm, it seems to me that this woman learned more and instead of that making her more deeply rooted in what she believed, because that's often a, a thing of like, you can't, you can't, like we've said a lot, you can't reason somebody out of a, an opinion they didn't reason themselves into. So yeah, like I think she needs to, and sounds like she kind of has started to atone for damage that she's caused but the 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 most responsible thing she can do right now is be the former anti-vaxxer yeah and be the that spokesperson for like hey 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 like uh, i came out of it i learned my lesson people aren't too far gone and i'm not necessarily a fan of like the lincoln project uh the ones who are like we're former republicans who are now anti-trumpers and we'll do anything to get trumpism out of our party It's like, well, where were you when George, you were working for George W. Bush. Like, please spare me. Like you suddenly care about. But if they, um, the one thing they did that I certainly appreciate is that they're like, listen, we know how to make ads. We know how to get people scared and to get you talking about shit. Cause that's what we're really good at for years. We're using our powers for good now. Yeah, exactly. And I don't 
necessarily know that they were effective in changing voters' minds. But as they have said repeatedly, like, we're not making our commercials necessarily to change your mind. It's to get in Trump's head and to make sure this is where the conversation goes. And it's like, look, if you know that mindset and you know how they think and you know how they act and you know what their buttons are and you know how to get through to them in ways that everyone else is not doing a good job at, you may be able to serve a good purpose by trying to convince, like there's nothing, Dawkins is not as persuasive a speaker to convince you to leave religion as someone who grew up in a, a church and knows that church and knows the culture and knows exactly what you are going through and left it and can help you walk out. Like that person is mean, always going to be more powerful to communicate. Yeah, I think that is like my personal weak spot in like this show is that or our weak spot is like neither of us grew up mainstream Christians in any way like you know your family was Jane my family was like kind of culturally Catholic but not churchgoers so like that definitely is a blind spot in our ability to kind of you know empathize with somebody who is leaving a a religion that was a big part of their um of their lives the other thing about the uh anti-vax woman is it kind of it just sucks that now she had access to all of the information and it took however many people reaching out for to her personally personal experience in her personal experience and i guarantee you that it wasn't just one person like probably dozens of people reached out and one person was too mean or one person was snide and one person swore too much and finally one person like found her wavelength that they could communicate with her on like is that now our, even though the internet exists for everybody, is it our, yours and my, is it leftist Facebook's responsibility to go to like anti-vaxxer Facebook pages and be like, hey, if anybody wants, like, is that now my responsibility every time? I don't know. I, I, I yeah. Good for her. She did the right yeah, thing. Clearly, one of the things she realized when she was an anti-vaxxer is it was so easy to find online stuff that confirmed her beliefs oh, as totally. well the internet is a garbage pit, right. but there's like cdc.gov or whatever i right. don't know um right. yeah I, I i think i would continue to hold both of those people the priest and and the any former anti-vaxxer at an arm's length i would be wary to kind of invite them too close into my emotional club as i'll put it but yeah i mean good good I guess. Good. In, in just a couple of minutes, can you talk really quickly about what just happened in Arizona? Yeah. Um, so th- did this just happen? Oh, yesterday is when, yeah. I, when I got this. So um, there's an Arizona law, a lawmaker. His name is Walt Blackman. Um, he, it says. A city called Snowflake. I, of all places. I thought I your look on your face. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I know, I know. I usually read these before I get into it, but Jesus. Anyway, um, <laughs> Walt Blackman, because this says Representative Walt Blackman R-Snowflake, and it's like... It could have been a description. Could have yeah, been a it was very oh. confusing. Um, so he, so he's always been known to have a uh, hardline stance on abortion. And now he's introduced um, legislation requiring prosecutors, requiring prosecutors to charge women who have an abortion and the doctors that help them do it. And charge them with homicide. And it turns out, in Arizona, homicide is punishable with the death penalty. 
Um, he ironically calls abortion clinics death factories, LOL, mm-hmm. um, and said that women who terminate pregnancies need to, quote, spend some time in our Arizona penal system. Right. So this is um, HB 2650. He um, had nine Republican co-sponsors, including that, like, the House Majority Leader who is Republican and like the vice house majority leader, deputy, whatever it's called, like powerful Republicans are backing this. And here's the thing. It Arizona is a state where it's Republican control of everything, uh-huh. but it's a very slim, like they tried to flip it back this time. They couldn't do it, but it's like a one seat advantage for Republicans in the state Senate. Like, I don't know that this bill will pass. It is very extreme. I don't think every Republican is going to get on board with it, which means it's not going to get anywhere. But then the alternative is they're promoting, they're uh, filing this bill because they hope it'll pass so that someone sues them over it so they can get it in front of Amy Coney Barrett. But it may be extreme even for them. There are no exceptions in this bill for anybody. Life of the mother doesn't matter. Rape incest doesn't matter. They just want to kill women and doctors like that brings them joy. Right. Yes. Um, And also, I mean, it's worth noting that it's not like this would be the one obstacle in the way of women who need to obtain abortions they already have a 24-hour waiting period they regard they require women to undergo ultrasounds at least 24 hours before the procedure they banned pill-induced abortions after seven seven weeks of pregnancy i found out i was pregnant and they're like you're six weeks long and i was like who (laughs) like Mm -hmm. what the fuck are you talking about i Oh my god, it's just so fucking infuriating. They want they want to require doctors to take additional me- measures to quote maintain the life of any fetus delivered alive during abortion. That's not a thing. Even if the fetus has no chance of of survival, can't be it just it's frustrating in one of the worst states of the pandemic cuz the Republicans haven't done anything to mitigate that stuff. Well, um, and it's interesting because I feel like recently, you know, in the year 2020, a lot of shit happened. And one of the big things I think is we as a culture are starting, or maybe I'm just saying what I've been learning over the last four years of like how horribly destructive our penal system is in the United States anyway. And most of us on the left are like, hey, most people who are in jail probably don't need to be there. Like if you are in jail for like selling weed, I am not concerned about you living in my neighborhood. But this guy is like the exact opposite. He said, um, oh, God, where did it go? He said that if you want to say, what did he say? Uh, I can't find it. Anyway, he said something about like, if you want to say my body, my choice, then you need to spend some time in our penile system. Like, sir, this isn't, this is nothing. This is bullshit. People are literally dying like in oh yeah if you want to smoke my body my choice you need to spend some time in our arizona penal system if you're going to kill and end the life of another human being that is murder sir respectfully suck my dick like get the fuck out of my uterus i hate you get out of there is this your application to be president of aai oh shit okay okay believe that out um, can you replace? Oh no, I was going to say they'll hire you on the spot. Apparently, <laughs> I was going to say, can you replace that with like, sir? We have differing opinions, but I do believe we can come to a compromise. But no, fuck that guy. They, they wouldn't hire you for that. Yeah. <sighs> God. Anyway. Okay. I know you have to get out of here in five minutes. I just wanted oh, to say quickly. Um, Hank Aaron died today. Uh, who 
he was 86. And the reason I bring it up, he's a baseball player. He is considered one of the greats of all time. Um, he, for a long time, held the home run record. That was break. Uh, uh, excuse me. It was um, a lifetime or a career home run record, not like single season. I remember when Barry Bonds broke that record. And um, it was weird because... Barry Bond's head was like gigantic for some reason when it hadn't already been big. I don't think that was anything though. But the reason I wanted to bring him up is that he, um, I think it's just important to contextualize how far we've come relatively quickly because this man who died today, he started in the Negro leagues. Like he was like, I, it's just, he, and he worked for like, it worked. He played for like, the Indianapolis Clowns or something really. Yeah, the Indianapolis 1952 season was his first with the Negro Leagues Indianapolis Clowns, which LOL, what the fuck. Um, but, you know, when we talk about like people genuinely think we're in a post-racial country and the fact that somebody just died who had a career in professional baseball and started in the Negro Leagues, is, I think should give us all pause yeah. and realize that like I, that's my dad's lifetime his yeah. career Someone when my dad said, was a kid there were still negro leagues and i'm in my 30s like this isn't centuries ago if you this take the lifespan of someone who was like george washington becomes president and a child is born during his presidency like we're only four generations in that sense removed mm -hmm. from George Washington, like it's such a short time span that our nation has been alive. Yeah. You know what I mean? I saw someone say, like, yeah, how many generations birth to death like have been around for our country? And you might think eight, ten, twelve, whatever. No, it's four. Not even like that's four. how many lifetimes have passed. Well, I'm um a friend of mine is really into uh fa like family history research. What's that called? Yeah. Like genealogy. Genealogy, thank you. Um, and so she, I was like, oh, I'm kind of curious. I really don't know where a lot of my family is from. And yeah, like I have a great grandfather, I think, who was born in, no, no, no. My great, great grandfather was born in Kilkee in Ireland in County Clare. And like, I feel like my family has been here forever. But the person who was born in Kilkee was born in like, 1890 or something like that yeah. like that's not that long ago you guys it's just really uh really wild and also now you really want to go to Kilkee. it looks very pretty <laughs> where do we um, find you wait hold on really quick in i want to um bookend the hank aaron uh oh, story yeah. with uh do you know who kurt Schilling is a pitcher he's, he's a pitcher super racist. racist so so kurt Schilling was like an all-time great pick pitcher famously oh god was it the Bloody, it wasn't. Yeah, he had the bloody, bloody sock when, he, yeah, he yeah. had some kind of injury and he was pitching on the mound and there was literally blood coming out of his sock. And everyone's like, this guy's badass. And he was badass. Turns out he's also so racist that, <laughs> that they, they just did some voting in the baseball hall of fame to decide who's going to get in this year. And Kurt Schilling should be a fucking slam dunk. Like he is an all, again, an all time great pitcher. Um, people, and then he voiced his opinion in support of the Capitol riots, <laughs> and a bunch of people who are voters for Baseball Hall of Fame were like, "Hey, baseball, can I rescind my vote? I changed my mind. Nice. I didn't realize I was a monster." And this is baseball; they're pretty tolerant of monsters. Like, yeah, right. 
So that says a lot. Anyway, so I just wanted to frame that. And also, too, if I remember correctly, he's what? Creationist as well. Oh, is he? Yeah, yeah. he's yeah. Anyway, so that happened. Uh, you can find me on the on my uh, Twitter handle. I recently changed. If you haven't been listening, it's now my name, Jess Blumke, J-E-S-S-B-L-U-E-M-K-E. I've gotten like 80 followers since I changed it. So I think people were just confused. Um, so you can find me there at Twitter. Uh, I'm doing custom orders for cross stitches at Bitches Get Stitched Done. Um, and you can tune in to my other podcast with my husband's called uh, Cooper Duper Podcast. We are rewatching Twin Peaks. And um, that's what we're doing. It should be good. Hemant, where can we well, find you? I'm at Hemant Meta on Twitter, where you can apparently call me a cunt all you want. Um, <laughs> and I'm at FriendlyAtheist.com. We'll be back next week. I'm going to run now. Okay. Bye. All right. Bye.